and welcome to the Stevens and Bolton People podcast. I'm Frances Rollin and I'm here with my great friend, Sarah Taylor, Senior Knowledge Lawyer in our employment team. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Frances. Good to be here. Today, we're going to talk about the important changes due to take effect on the 1st of January 2024 in relation to workers' rights to holiday, as set out in draft regulations published very recently in November. We're also going to touch on another set of draft regulations published at the same time, which make changes to equality laws. Why are we seeing this flurry of new legislation just before Christmas? So the reason for all this parliamentary activity is because from the 1st of January, the retained EU Revocation and Reform Act, let's refer to it as simply the Revocation Act, means that general EU interpretive principles are being abolished under domestic law, creating a risk that certain case law addressing critical worker rights will cease to apply. In particular, this impacts holiday-related rights and some equality protections. The government has chosen to legislate in order to fill the potential legal void. Some of these changes are a deliberate move away from European legal principles, where such principles are thought to have been impractical or give nonsensical results. Other changes seek to replicate the existing legal position. Let's start then to talk about the changes to the rate of holiday pay. If you've been following the saga of holiday pay case law over the last 12 years, you'll know that the current legal position is that workers should receive what's known as normal remuneration during holidays. The idea being that workers are not disincentivized from taking holiday as their normal pay is unaffected. The draft regulations seek to codify the case law principles about normal remuneration by including a new provision that says, For example, payments that are intrinsically linked to the performance of the workers' tasks under their contract should be included. What do you think is covered by this new wording, Sarah? Well, to me, it is fairly clear that commission and regular overtime should be included within the calculation of holiday pay, and many employers will already be including these within their calculations. However, ambiguities remain, such as whether an annual bonus should be included within the calculation of holiday pay. If the bonus is linked to the performance of the workers' tasks, there is a good argument that it should be included in holiday pay from the 1st of January. Yeah, it's quite concerning for employers to yet again be faced with uncertainty on this point of holiday pay. Also, the fact of setting these rights in stone now in UK legislation surely increases the risk of litigation on these points. Yes, I would agree. These new rules only actually apply to the four weeks of EU-based holiday, not the 1.6 extra weeks of UK-derived holiday. And I recall um, previously that the government were considering amalgamating those two rights, so amalgamating the Euro leave with the additional 1.6 weeks of statutory leave um, afforded to workers in the UK. Yes, you're quite right, Francis. This was under consideration at one point. However, the government has decided to retain the two distinct pots of annual holiday. So workers will continue to be entitled to the four weeks holiday paid on the basis of their normal remuneration and to 1.6 weeks holiday paid at their basic rate of pay, which may or may not differ to their normal remuneration. In practice, many employers simply pay the same rate of pay for all statutory annual leave. However, some do distinguish in order to minimise costs. 
Having separate pots of leave also causes difficulties when calculating holiday carryover. I feel that this was a missed opportunity for the government to simplify an unnecessarily complex aspect of the law. You mentioned carryover of holiday entitlements, Sarah. The draft regulations codify the various points of law emanating from uh, the European and domestic case law in recent years. There have been a lot of cases on this. So it's now clear that workers can carry over holiday in five different circumstances, and these are set out in the regulations. The first of these is commonly known. So employees who've not been able to take holiday because they've been on statutory leave, such as maternity leave, they can carry over that holiday to the following holiday year. The second scenario is also pretty well known. For those who are unable to take their holiday because they've been off sick, then they can carry forward for 18 months. The third is a slightly more unusual situation. That essentially covers where an employer has misclassified an individual as self-employed and not given them the right to holiday or holiday pay. In those circumstances, workers can carry over that holiday. And then the final two are relatively recent concepts and they're considerably more nebulous. Workers can carry over holiday if their employer has either failed to give them a reasonable opportunity to take that holiday or has failed to encourage them to do so. Also, they can carry over if their employer has failed to inform them that any holiday not taken at the end of the holiday year, which can't be carried forward, will be lost. Yes, it's unclear how far employers have to go to encourage workers to take holiday. Yet again, the fact that this has been put into legislation in the UK, rather than being a principle of EU case law, means that workers may be more likely to challenge on these points. Yeah, I think that's right. So moving on now to part year and irregular hours workers. The current mechanism under the working time regulations is really complicated and leads to sometimes anomalous results. The government has decided to legislate to seek to simplify this position. Under the draft regulations, part year and irregular hours workers for holiday years beginning on or after the 1st of April 2024 can accrue holiday at 12.07% of the number of hours that they have worked in each pay period. In tandem with this new accrual rate, the draft regulations give employers the right to use rolled up holiday pay for part year and irregular hours workers. Holiday pay for such workers will be paid by way of a 12.07% uplift to the workers' remuneration for the work done. Again, there are concerns about the lack of clarity in these provisions, isn't there? Yes, that's right. The definitions of part-year worker and the regular hours worker leave room for debate. Also, it is generally accepted that using rolled-up holiday pay disincentivizes workers from actually taking holiday. These draft regulations do not address this issue, and so questions remain about how employers may, in practice, ensure that their workers take their holiday. We could talk about holiday rights all day, couldn't we? But can we now move on to mention briefly the changes to equality laws? Yes, 
So, whereas one of the effects of holiday provisions has been to move away from established ECJ case law, the government's stated intention in relation to the Draft Equality Act Amendment regulations is simply to codify in domestic law existing equality protections derived from Europe. These include provisions about direct discrimination related to pregnancy, maternity and breastfeeding, indirect associative discrimination and the definition of disability. The government has said that the draft regulations do not seek to change the existing protections for individuals under the Equality Act, but already questions are being raised as to whether this will in fact be the case. Now, we know that these regulations are making their way through Parliament now, but it looks unlikely that any changes are going to be made to them. The government has said that they will publish um, some guidance in the new year. So we wait to see if that provides any further clarity on the these um, uh, particular concerns that we've mentioned. Yes, it is certainly going to be a new and uncertain, that's no good, landscape from 1st of January. It is unknown how the courts and tribunals will interpret this new legislation and whether and to what extent they will consider case law deriving from European principles in reaching their decisions. Although the Revocation Act makes clear that domestic courts and tribunals are no longer bound by ECJ case law, that does not mean that they cannot be influenced by it if they so choose. And we're unlikely to see any decided cases on these points for a year or two, so the uncertainty may remain for some time. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks so much, Sarah. Join us next time when I'm going to be joined by Holly Ryan for a further update on what to expect in employment law in 2024.